Alright, welcome back, Gameaholics, to another episode of the Gameaholic podcast. Today, my co-star Colin has been replaced by my good friend Adam. Uh, why, you may ask, what's going on? Well, we decided with Witch Queen and Destiny 2 coming in that one of the new things that we wanted to talk about was going over a year in review for Destiny 2. So we want to talk about the last four seasons, the Beyond Light campaign, and the implications that we think are coming for the Witch Queen launch on February 22nd, which we will also be doing a podcast on, and Adam will also be joining us on that. So welcome to the podcast, Adam. You got some pretty big shoes to fill for the day. Yeah, no kidding. Thanks, Luke, for having me. I'm, I'm really honored. Like, uh, I'm, I'm your first guest. So I've been listening since you launched, and uh, this is a really exciting piece. So I, I'm hoping I do call him proud. Yes, first. So great call out. Uh, f- this is our first ever official Gameaholic podcast collab. So we are super excited to have Colin on here. Fill, or not Colin, Adam on here filling in for Colin. Um, and we're going to kind of just jump right into it. So um, we, Colin and I did a Destiny podcast back in the day i think we talked about this in may so this is one of our first probably 10 to 15 podcasts that colin and i ever did and and i obviously kind of took the lead on it we talked very heavily just as uh, as destiny as a whole so there's a lot of interest a lot of listeners on that podcast and we got a lot of really great feedback and we thought you know what let's kind of review what we think about what we've seen in beyond light and kind of the seasons and implications going forward uh, into Witch Queen. So we are in, what was it you told me today when we were playing? Two more resets? Yeah, two more resets, and we are in Witch Queen territory. Holy shit, I can't get over that. Logging in today, collecting my bright dust for the week, and pretty much, you know, helping you close, almost, I think, you're closing two seals today. So MMXIII, MMXXII, I think you're closing, and going into and- Vidmaster. Yeah, so I closed Bidmaster today because I finished off the uh, uh, the dares there, and and then I'll have MMX III will close uh, with uh, with trials this Friday. Very exciting stuff too. And we are, and that's a perfect timing. I mean, is there anything else that you're hoping to? Is there anything else you're hoping to achieve in the next three weeks before Witch Queen dawns on us? Or is that kind of, have you kind of given up on that? I know we were talking Grandmaster strategies and stuff like that. So have you done anything in terms, or are you are you kind of giving up on that? Or what do you think you're going to try to do? So I'm wanting to, like, I finished off pretty much everything in Season of the Lost. I finished everything in Season of the Splicer. Like, I've, I've kind of finished off a lot of Chosen but I'm not finished there yet. So I, I still have some battlegrounds, things like that that I have to run. And then there's still a couple things in Season of the Hunt. So when Witch Queen comes out, as everyone I'm sure will know, is you, you get, don't get to go back and play any of the previous seasons. So I'm trying to be able to get my Triumph score as high as possible and just to close some of these Triumphs first before February 22nd launches. And I have a whole new slew of things that I have to grind out now. So it's just going through like one Triumph after another right now to just try and finalize them. I do want to try and get at least one GM run in though before the end of the uh before the end of the season. Though. And you know which strike you want to get done cuz I think you did one already, didn't you? You did uh what's it called? Um Oh god, how am I not remembering the name of it? What's the one you did? How am I not remembering that name? I don't think I did a, I don't think I did one yet. No, cuz so you you, you I... did remember you had to do one for the um 
for the for the tro not the trophy but like the triumph thing to get all of our to basically finish all of the seasonal challenges you had to do one right yeah yeah, yeah. i i honestly I, I can't remember which one i did i that would that would have been so early on in in the season uh just so i could just get through it right away so like, i think it was ah, like once i think ah, so it was like sorry 13, it was it was it was lake of shadows that i, I don't know why oh. i kept i kept trying to be like the taken like i don't even i don't even know what i was thinking there you go. So you know more than I do. But you remember, so obviously, perfect. like like you remember doing, like you kind of remember that now, obviously, right? Doing like yeah, no, I remember it now that you say it. Yeah, absolutely. So we kind of, obviously, we both been kind of ripping pretty hard. Um, we both been playing Destiny since you know season one, um, de- since Destiny one actually. Um, we both been kind of hashtag hunters for life as well. So we've been kind of grinding <laughs> the uh, the hunter side of things. Um, before we get into the story, one thing that I want to say is I, you know, hunters are being, hunters are arguably right now the worst subclass in Destiny, the worst class in Destiny that you can be. Um, you know, we're unfortunately not really needed in end game activities anymore. And you see this on LFG or kind of looking for anything. You see all of these unbelievably, you know, either toxic posts or like, no fucking hunters. Hunters suck. Warlocks and, and titans only. Yeah. And like, you know, I... So, a big thing that we've seen or heard is, you know... Um, and I don't know if you've seen this yet, Adam, but they've announced that there's not going to be a new uh, subclass in Witch Queen. Everybody kind of thought that there was going to be a new Darkness subclass, but um, they have confirmed that it's going to be called... Vo- it's going to be Void 3.0. So all void abilities for all three classes are getting a complete overhaul. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I could. Uh, I could see that with the challenge that they ran with stasis right away when how it was so uneven when they first launched it with Beyond Light. Well, it, it, exactly. And I mean, the way that I look at it too is like, um, P, like kind of end game activities. Um, void has been kind of the hunter's arguably kind of the main thing that they were good for right from back in the day void a hunter tether was you know everything but now with you know all of these seasonal mods that are basically making hunter tether useless like particle deconstruction this season where you know if you have a fusion rifle the last thing that you need is a hunter shooting their um tether because it just doesn't matter right yeah, I know they're definitely uh, it's definitely underpowered right now, and it's it's unfortunate because there's not even a lot of like jumping puzzles and things like that that hunters are really well known for uh, accelerating at. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah, you could definitely see where it's like we need we need well like it's just constantly well well well, especially for a lot of these strikes or you know there's, uh, or a lot of the raids. Uh, I find GM wells are a huge thing for raids. It's always you know uh, titans with uh, Curus of the Falling Star. Right? Like, that's always, like, right. the big one so they can thunder crash and do, like, a fucking boatload of damage. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, Hunters is just kind of like, don't be a fucking hunter. And if you're a hunter, they're... have 1K voices and, like, you know, adept fusion rifles, blah, 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 blah. Which, I mean, I'm lucky I have all of that, but, I mean, like, for the average player, like, I mean, you know, like, getting raid exotics is a, a hard go. 
well, yeah, you need to do the raids in order to actually get the exotics, and no one wants you being part of the party, and then they're they're basically just like, oh, we're carrying you at this point, and then you still are like, once it once you die the first time, and then you start seeing the damage, like from golden gun or whatever you happen to be doing, then they're like, okay, so that's not too bad. Like they they automatically like, no, okay, so you're not a scrub or a new person to the game. Like you know what you're doing. Exactly, a hundred percent, and it's just it's just so sickening. Because, you know, anyways, what I'm, what I'm really hoping, and I think what a lot of Hunter mains are hoping, is that when Void 3.0 does launch with Witch Queen, that Hunters will sort of gain that relevance back in endgame PvE. Because, I mean, I know Hunters are deadly in PvP and stuff like that, but that's not, I don't really like that side of Destiny, personally. Yeah, I'm not a big Crucible person either, so I, I, I can totally attest to that as well. And it, yeah, um, it's gonna. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say it's sort of also talking about the LFG posts and talking about the hate towards the hunters also sort of reinforces kind of what I've been thinking in terms of I find that you know not all the time but I find that there's a lot of toxicity um, still alive and well in the Destiny community like there is. I mean, I, I know, I think you have a lot of different things to say about this than I do, but I mean, just seeing some of those posts and just like, the, again, like the, like I could be a four times conqueror, but if I'm a fucking ty- a hunter, it's like, no chance. Like, I don't want you on my team. Like you're, you suck. Like, it's like, even though clearly you can hold your own because you're a hunter or, you know, one of the stories that I love talking about is when I was, um, grinding out the dead eye seal. And I needed to get a bunch of medals from uh, Crucible. I think I was doing sniper rifles at the time and trying to get uh, some of the sniper rifle medals and uh, triumphs. And I won. We won a game in Crucible. And I was obviously like dead last awful because I didn't, I wasn't doing well because I was using a sniper for all my kills. And like, obviously this wasn't competitive. This was just like quick play. And like, I was just, I was trying to do it like, sorry. And um, our team won, and I was dead last. I had, a, I had an awful KD, like KDR, like it was like 0. 0.4 or something like that. And um, right, some guy actually just on the other team took the initiative to send me a message after the game and be like, "You were fucking carried, bro." And I was like, "Dude, it's a fucking quick play crucible game. Like, are you really that fucking butthurt about it?" that you need to message somebody on the other team <laughs> and, like, be like, you were carried? It's like, yeah, I was fucking carried, and I don't care. Like, it's quick play. If if you're going to be all anal about this, go in competitive. But the guy clearly fucking sucks, so he can't. Like, whatever. I mean, I, I have, I have, I've always had such a terrible experience. But there are really great people. There's a ton of people that you do see on LFG that are very open to, like, teaching, which, you know was pretty much how I learned how to do every single raid in the game was through a random stranger on the internet teaching me how to do it. And I know you right. obviously have done... I mean, you have a different story, I think. So why don't you talk about your yeah. thoughts? Yeah, talk about your thoughts on LFG, uh, or just on the talk, I guess, the Destiny community in general. I guess, like, my the benefit that I kind of had was that I always had, like, a, a, my own personal community that I could rely on. So I always had, like, a couple friends that I could be able to connect with and say, hey, you want to do this this strike or this like the, the, the weeklies or whatever it may be 
And I only really LFG'd whenever it was things like harder content, like the raids and such. Mm -hmm. It wasn't as much of like, I just want to be able to get some bounties done or anything like that. So when I did encounter it, I found that I purposely tried to join the ones though that were like teaching one or teaching two or like going slow, whatever it may be. Like I, I purposely tried to look for those type of ones so I could join them. And then I didn't really feel too bad if like I died or I'm just like goofing off or whatever, just kind of having a good time. So I think that kind of because the groups that I was joining into, I already kind of went with the expectation. That this is what it is just based off of the title and then like really open communication. Like when you started like, hey, guys, like what's going on? Like how's your days going? Stuff like that. You kind of get an idea right away if it's going to be if it's going to go good or not. Like mm -hmm. there's a lot of people, especially playing during COVID and stuff, people are like, yeah, I I'm in a Zoom meeting right now. So if I, I might need to pop out for a couple seconds to say one or two things uh, during this. Um, so it was just like that kind of like joking atmosphere. So like I've actually had great experiences with LFG. Like I've really enjoyed it. I've actually had probably a dozen plus people uh, just from 2021 that I've added in. And then I can shoot them a message like, hey, can you help me out with this here? And they'll be like, yeah, absolutely. No problem. So like I've really enjoyed that aspect of the community, but it's it's really tough. I could see it from other perspectives that if you're just joining whatever's like the first one that comes up, that there can be a lot of toxicity because I've definitely done that when I need to get something done quickly. I'm like, hey, whatever, whoever's whatever group I can get into first, especially with like a VOG run, for example, like God knows how many I had to do on that one. Mm -hmm. But like I, I was just like, I'll just join whatever I can because I have three characters. So I was just doing whatever I could to get Vex. So those ones, yeah, you go through a lot of toxicity and such. And they're, they're like, it wasn't luckily against me, but like, I was like, okay, just who cares? That guy's like a 1330. He's not 1350 or whatever. Like we're all good, but they're like making fun of him because he did such little damage because he didn't understand how the actual, like how to actually do the final boss. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, we'll settle down. Like just ask him if like he needs some help and explain it to him. And he's like, no, no, no. And they just boot him. And I'm like, Hey, I'm out of this. Like, like that's the kind of community that you kind of get a stark reality of like, that's what you can see inside the community. And then you, I, I, I get such a different lens on it for, from my experiences so far. So I don't know. It's just, it's tough to say. Like, I know you've, you've kind of had a different experience as well. So that's, that's kind of the interesting point where we're kind of at two different opposite ends of our experiences. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. And I mean, I mean, I know you had a really positive and I mean, I did too. So one of the, one of the experiences that I think about in LFG that sort of made me have hope for humanity again was doing the, um, so the divinity run through the garden of salvation. So yeah. I know I bugged you. A f I said, Adam, just fucking do this thing, man. Like, <laughs> like just, you only have to do it once. It's a hundred percent guarantee. If you do the puzzles, like, come on. So you found somebody online and you are a team online and you guys actually, gr you know, grinded through it. Yeah. Ours was awesome. Like we, we, like you were like, okay, just get it done. Like you've been bugging me for like at least two months. It's going like, to be a good thing to have. It's going to be a good thing to have. Hey, but this was an awesome experience because we literally had someone join the party that's like, I just joined to help you guys out. Like I've already gotten divinity. I have no interest in it. I just want to help you out so you can get you can get through the puzzles a lot faster. And then we just from that point onward, I was like, this is gonna be the best run ever. So when I did it, 
it was mine was when pretty much when all this started right because i had i had been pretty on the ball back then too um i was i joined this raid group and they had no fucking idea what they were doing either some of them thankfully had done the raid normally but nobody knew about the puzzles or how to do the puzzles um okay nine and a half hours I was up till four in the morning, like, <laughs> like I was up till four in the morning Pacific trying to do this. And Oh my God. Yeah, man. It was, it was one of the hardest. And I mean, don't get me wrong. We did it in the end. It was, it was insane. And it was actually kind of lucky because like, I, I don't want to be a dick, but there's one dude that was just like holding us down. Like we, we actually got to the end and like, you know, the, the last puzzle is like a little bit harder because like you all, you all kind of have to move around and hit certain you know what I mean? Like the fifth yeah. divinity puzzle kind of in the cave. Yeah. Um, And there's this one guy who just wasn't getting it. Like he was just like, I don't know if he was fucking stoned or if he was just an idiot, but he just wasn't getting it. Um, Anyways, we finally did that puzzle and we got to the final boss. And the final boss, like back in the day, was hard. I don't know what it was like for you now being like, you know, two like years later, what the final boss was like in, in Garden of Salvation. But like back in the day, it was hard. Um, like I'm just looking at my like raid report and like you say nine hours, I yeah. was two hours and ten minutes to clear. Well, and it's it's interesting <laughs> because like you got like you guys are so, um, like like again you're so overpowered too. Whereas when I did it, we weren't right. Like we were. Yeah, I think I was like thirteen fifty. I think. Or yeah, we and we were we were still we were still like had to four phase this fucking boss and like. One of the things, I don't know if you remember or not, is, like, you had to... Maybe you guys didn't even need to. How many phases? Like, if you could think, how many phases do you think it took you to be able to down that boss? Do you remember? I, I think it was a three-phase. Okay, so it's actually quite a bit, then, in reality. Like, it, it's not like it was, like, a one- or two-phaser there. No, no, no. We didn't one- or two-phase. Yeah, I, I know that. Like, I know the third phase was a lot quicker than... Like, we, we had kind of gotten, like, right down that health. And we just need to kind of finish. It was, like, a quick double tap kind of thing for, for third phase. So it wasn't that bad. Interesting. No, no. So, I mean, because, like, for us, like, I, but, like, the problem was building. I hated building those fucking platforms, man. Like, to... Yeah. You know the boss would destroy the platforms, then you guys had to work together to, like, rebuild the platforms. So we kind of separate. So what we did in that raid, though, is we separated, like, who was new and who was like veteran to it we'll say it as and luckily for us it was like three and three so like the three people kind of just hung out somewhere else and the other three were actually like doing the proper strategy like building what they needed Mm -hmm. no i mean that's like see that's again but back in the day when we were doing that it was just awful but i mean anyways that's kind of enough for for the lfg conversation i think we should jump probably talking to about the the newest or the last year in review right the whole the whole point of the pod so I mean, we started off with the Beyond Light campaign, which, I mean, it was, for me, it was nice to see Varric's come back. There was a lot of drama and questions behind Varric's um, once the Forsaken campaign happened, right? Because the whole kind of point of that is, you know, um, all of the Scorn and everybody in Aldrin Sov broke out of the prison and they kind of, you know, go in and the whole point is that Varix has kind of mysteriously disappeared and we don't hear from Varix again until Beyond Light, right? Where he becomes yep. kind of the new Europa and they're like, oh and I think Varix they 
they hint that he sort of had some... I, I don't really understand. I wish I knew the lore a little bit better, and I don't know if you've read anything about this, but they sort of hinted that Barracks had something to do with the escape in the Prison of Elders. See, I, I haven't read those in the, the, the Grimoires at this point yeah. yet, so... So I... Um, I, I, okay. I, I yeah, I like, I, I'm not really sure at this point, because, like, I, I know that, um, like, uh, of it, like, yeah, I, I know you... Like, basically, that's the opening intro, is that you're basically there to save Varys from beyond at the beyond light campaign beginning exactly and then and then the whole point is like oh Varys you're gonna be like tried for your crimes or whatever right like that's kind of the whole conversation about it so that's why right and then you sure. kind of like work together mm-hmm. so I mean like I don't know if they forgave him for whatever but like so beyond light I mean I'm sorry I think the beyond light campaign itself was in the last year I think it was probably one of the weakest parts of this entire last year of story like, you know, the, we, we build up to these pyramids coming and they come and nothing really comes of it. Yeah, that's true. Like half the solar system's gone. We are like, oh, let's embrace the darkness, which is cool, obviously, right? Like, which is, which is pretty cool. But then at the same time, it's just like, well, like, what's the, what's the deal here? Realistically, like, why are we doing this? Like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? And, you know, you get the stasis subclass and you kind of defeat these random elixni who are trying to take over the darkness. And then it's kind of the last you hear of it. Uh, and then at that same time, it introduces the season of the hunt, which was, for me, the worst part of this entire um, year. I don't really... Yeah, because yeah. that, that kind of... <clears throat> That uh, that kind of introduces things like the crow and such, right? With, yeah, so that's uh, like with the spider. That's where we first see uh, crow, yeah, coming back, and we find out like, oh, Aldrin Sov is actually back alive again, but like, it's not Aldrin Sov; it's it's a guardian in Aldrin Sov's body, and it's like, okay, like, right. cool, I guess. Like, but then just like the the ritual activity for that one for me was really rough. Like the uh, the hunts were kind of boring. Um, there was just, for me, there was honestly a lot wrong, I don't know, a lot wrong with that. And I don't think it really drove the story much for me. Like it just kind of more felt like a, um, crow oriented season, but you know, then we get into season of the chosen, which I mean, I know you didn't play when it came out, which I'm sorry, but I get, I think you, I don't think you got the full experience playing it over the course of like a week, like you and I did when I helped you through it. Like, yeah, that was a that was probably for me the best season that we had. Like story wise, story wise. Yeah, like there's so much like there's so much interesting pieces to it. Like when you when you start looking at like the like the cabal and they're saying like one guardian is equivalent to 10,000 cabal is killed. Right. So like that you understand a little bit why like the cabal are wanting to even consider joining forces mm -hmm. with the humans or the guardians, for example, just because they, they're, they're considered as like almost like, well, we'll say that's close to equals in, the, in their sense of things. No, so yeah. that, that was, yeah, it was such an interesting story. Like I, like I obviously I wish I could play it from like a week over week perspective because going through even season displays or in lost, for example, on a week over week, that was a really great experience because you kind of got to, you, you got to soak in that story more Versus it, when I was playing Season of the Chosen was kind of like crammed up into that week, right? Like, it's kind of like watching, binge watching an entire show, but then you don't get as much out of it as like when Game of Thrones you're watching it day by day. 
100%. Exactly. And like, you know, um, just, I even, again, the story and sort of being able to align yourself with the cabal. Um, I think adding, you know, the glycon was the best thing that they have done in that game, like in the last year, like that dungeon, I don't even, you don't call it a dungeon, but like that mission is incredible. Yeah, like they like they did a fantastic job in the chosen. Like I, I, I can't say anything negative about it at all. Um, like the only thing I could say that was like the challenge behind it was just the amount of battlegrounds you have to do with your hammer. Yes, but I, like yeah. from a story perspective, it's like it's mint. Like it's by far better than the uh, than the um, uh, the Beyond Light campaign in general. And that's what I was honestly going to say is like, definitely, I, I like, I like where the story went. I like how it was relevant. Um, at first, when we first started playing that, I was like, oh man, like we're kind of siding with the cabal here. Like this is pretty, this is pretty wild, right? Like this is really interesting that they're going this route with everything. And again, like, I almost wish I loved it. did get a play it. I, I wish I did get to play it during the chosen, only because like obviously like when I'm playing it during like Spicer and Lost, I obviously know what already is happening at that point. But if I was playing it in the moment of the chosen, and all of a sudden like Keitel's talking to Zavala, and I'm like, are we going to join forces? Like, is like this where the game is going. The, like <laughs> a, a, another really good one is the assassination attempts. Like you, I mean, you know Zavala's still kicking right like you 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 know that like so when you see those you're like oh like because like i was like oh fuck they killed Cade. they might kill zavala now too for all we know right like like obviously he's he's uh he's wrecking to deal with mm-hmm. right like they want to take him out he's he's like this the he is the vanguard 100 percent. so it makes sense that he's sort of the target at that point right like so and i mean you know they, they get really close where where crow you know accidentally saves or not accidentally but crow saves him and accidentally reveals himself as who he sort of is so again really really interesting uh, a, a really powerful story and then you know um finding out the only part that i didn't necessarily love obviously other than the battlegrounds which i'm 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 disgusted that those are becoming strikes to be honest with you um <laughs> well because like i the strikes are supposed to be kind of cool like but these battlegrounds are like five of the same things, just cookie cutter. Like you fight through these ads, you do this, you blow up these fucking things, and then like you whatever. And like putting a mix of five of those into the strike playlist, like that's a lot. Like, but like you understand like what the battlegrounds are designed for for the cabal and like why they agree to them. Well, isn't it? No, isn't it? I thought the battlegrounds. The whole point of it in the game was just to kill. Like the Cabal champions, so it, it is for that. But it, like the champions that enter into the battleground do so, so they can be able to be recognized by Keitel and join her council. Oh. So that's why you continue to do it. So it, it, they, they, if you, the more you can kill and the higher of the enemies that you can kill, then that's what actually uh, that brings you higher up into her leadership. But the battlegrounds were brought in that like, look, if you can as a champion, you can deal to to win in the battlegrounds, you'll mm-hmm. be accepted onto my council. I didn't know that. That's really, is that from the Grimoire books? Yeah. See, that's, so that's, that's, that's fascinating. That's really, really interesting. Like for me, that's like super cool. So that's where I got, when I read that part, then I understood even more 
the right of proving mm-hmm. of like what that would actually mean by signing into that and understanding that, that that's part of their culture. It's like, it's just done by a brute force, almost like Vikings, right? Like it just, if you're stronger, you win. And then the, the guardians at that point happened to have won. And that, that, that's where they didn't have to give up earth or and Nessus at that point. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like I said, that, that just makes complete sense to me, at least just in terms of being, again, I had no idea that that was a thing. So just being able to hear that is like absolutely wild. Uh, but like, again, really, really interesting to know because I had no freaking clue. Yeah, it's really cool when you start like digging into more and more of these these pieces. Like I'm reading the uh, I'm on Grimoire too, and it's all about the Cabal right now. And it's just it's just going into talking about how you can climb in the ranks, and uh, it talks about Kaitel obviously, and mm-hmm, just like what she course. did to get to where she is. So it's like it's obviously it's absolutely fascinating and so relevant to everything that's going on. So I'm going to try and crush through all these books before Witch Queen comes out, and then I'll have a full more in depth understanding before we even touch Witch Queen on the 22nd. And it's gonna, there's going to be a lot. We're going to just keep going. So I'm, I'm excited to see what obviously is going to jump in and, and, and kind of get moving. Um, so again, she's in The Chosen is really powerful. I like Splicer, but I felt... So, so this is where I kind of get torn now, is I feel that the Battlegrounds felt really long but at least they were kind of like you were going through something but like i didn't like the splicer season the ritual activity right like it was where you have to like you know defend the conflux plug in the moats remember all that yeah like the actual activity of doing it but like so that that brings us back to like so when the city gets brought into like endless darkness mm-hmm, i'll say it as like a core it correlate extends you out to be able to like seek out Mithrax. Mithrax is one of the last splicers that are known, right? He's and he's and he's that... known as the only. So so one of the things about Mithrax, sort of cut you off there, um, is no they talk really heavily about him in um, Beyond Light. So so when you're actually doing the Beyond Light campaign, Mithrax comes up a ton because Varix. So when you're doing the um, Empire Hunts, do you remember the, the the part of the Empire Hunt where you have to release the skiffs um, from being held captive? Yeah. Those skiffs are actually of good fallen escaping to Mithrax's kingdom. Interesting. Okay, I yeah. didn't know that part. Yeah, so they, so they talk super heavily about Mithrax as being the light Kel, because in fallen culture, the Kells are obviously the kings. Um, and, or the, 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 you know, the heads of their houses. And so, yeah, they always call him the light Kel and they call him, um, like Mithrax. So that's why when you actually, when, when they were saying in this game, like you have to find Mithrax, he's, he, and he's wanted by the other fallen, which he is right. Because the other fallen are not good. So that's why when you first end up going there and like finding Mithrax, I was like, oh shit, this is going to be nuts because he's like a big deal in terms of like character wise. And he's like one of the only good fallen. Like we knew when we met Varix that not all fallen were bad. Um, and then Varix was like, Mithrax is the good one. 
So that's why when you meet him, it's like crazy. But yeah, so he's one of the last splicers, exactly. So continue off where you're going. Sorry for that kind of trip down memory lane. I just wanted to kind of drop in a little bit of the lore that I knew. No, that's that's great. That's a good addition to it. So like it, it was just it was just really interesting how the humans at that point invited Mithrax and the like the obviously the House of Light um, team or group to to the to the, the tower. Like that was actually a pretty crazy thing to think about. And then when you get into the when you start learning more about it, we start looking into like the Saint Fourteen relationship as well, and like how crazy that was. Because so the, when do you remember when Saint Fourteen returned? Because I don't. I honestly don't. He just kind of shows up and that's it. <laughs> yeah, it, it was in one of the seasons. It was season of the dawn. That was one of the seasons that I didn't play. To be honest with you. Okay. So I think that like season of the dawn is like kind of what I like. I mainly remember him being a key character, but I don't remember like obviously much, like anything else really relevant to him. But, like, what I was, like, like with the, the interesting part with, like, the, the Elixni uh, being invited into, into the city was that, like, Saint-14, because why he felt so, um, like, why he wanted to help so much is because back in the day, he had actually killed a lot of the Elixni. Well, that's, so so that actually... story, that story that Mithrax tells and the right. animation that goes along with that story could be one of the most and i'm not the only person that thinks this but it could be one of the most powerful like narratives in destiny history just in terms of 100%. like how you view saint 14 as a hero but like to the fallen saint 14 is an evil monster who kills women children and innocents alike yeah and the one thing that changed his mind was when he had known that he was feared amongst the children and that's what switched in his mind of being like, I have to do better. And that's why he wants to really help out the, the Elixni that are in the quarter there. And that, again, really powerful story. Like in the end when the Vex raid the last city uh, and Saint-14 and Ikora go off um, on them and like they're defending the Fallen. Like it was so, like that whole cutscene was incredible in its own right like again destiny is just i'm getting goosebumps talking about this man because like i remember watching that and like literally being like fully erect like i was just like this is insane man <laughs> like this is so good like this is storytelling at its fucking finest like just being able i think i think the thing that we don't view um not even just in destiny but just in real life is like you always hear a story from one side and right. like you could have a completely different view from the other side, right? Where Saint-14 has been hailed as a hero, as a great warrior, as a blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, you hear this, let me tell you... And they don't even say Saint... That's the best part about the story, is Mithrax says, let me tell you a story. He doesn't say Saint-14's name until the end of this, like, five-minute monologue. And then yeah. he says, and they called him the Saint... And Saint-14 is just standing there speechless for, like, two minutes, and he just is like, I need to go. And you're right. It's because of the children. Like, if you walk and, like, talk to Saint-14 um, in the hangar, he often, like, you know how, like, all of the characters sort of have, like, random phrases they'll say when you walk by? Like, it doesn't really have anything mm -hmm. to do with anything. But um, and one of the things he says is, like, let's give candy to all the children of the tower or something like that. Like, he loves kids. 
Yeah. So that, and that was that was like gut wrenching for him when he absolutely. heard the Elixni like feared him like from a, a children perspective because he was he's been loved amongst the humans. Loved amongst the humans, hailed as a hero amongst the Exos humans awoken everybody. And as soon as you see it from the fallen side of things, where it's like, hey, we're not all bad, he stands up, and you know, this sets the this sets the whole tone for um, for basically you know the next season, season of the Lost, because you know we we have this massive battle um, in the old part of the the whatever the city where the Elixir the Elixir Quarter. I don't know what they what it's actually called, but. Right? Is that what they call it? Yeah, it's it's the it's well, it's not the Elixir Quarter. It's just it, it's the quarter, and I don't know. It, it is it is a specific name. I well, it's it's actually it's a really fun fact, and I don't think you I don't know if you remember this or if you noticed it, but that is actually the arena where you fight the final boss in the Black Armory. That's crazy. So I actually did. Do you do you, that. do you remember the final boss in the Black Armory, um, Scourge of the Past? No, is it Scourge of the Past? Yeah, I think it is. Where you're like. It's it's that big like tank thing, and you also have, all have to be snipers and like shoot its weak spots. And it, I don't know if you remember. Anyways, that's the the arena where you fight that final boss. Yeah, you're right. I'm literally looking at some images online right now, mm. and like that's actually wild. It's the exact same. No wonder it's like destroyed. Mm-hmm. It, like when you're when you're looking at it is like it's it's it looks like it's in like a third world country like it's been bombed yeah, yeah. um it, on on how bad it looks and so you know um that leads us to kind of the next thing so one of the one of the pieces of it, of information that we do find out is that um you know saint 14 and osiris are together romantically right they're a couple um, mm-hmm. you know, that was speculated for a really long time and Bungie actually, I don't remember what season, but they actually released like some conversation between the two of them that confirms it. Um, and during season this place, one of the things that I loved is you couldn't tell who you could trust or not. Right. Whereas I don't know if you've noticed, but you always sort of see like, what, what was the name? Eight, not Ada. What was the name of the, um, Lakshmi? I fucking hated Lakshmi. Um, <laughs> The future world cult leader, but also the, uh, the what's it called? Like the person between the council and the rest of the last city. Um, and she was obviously, the Vex got a hold of her and she was part of the reason all this happened. But, you know, I kind of thought something was weird with Osiris going on for a little while there too. Because especially when she's like, I've unlocked all of our literature for Osiris to read on Sabathun. And I was like, well, that seems weird, right? Like. It was really, and then, you know, you see this massive fight with the Vex with Saint-14 and, um, you know, everybody protecting Saint-14 and Ikora protecting uh, the Fallen. And then you see on a rooftop Osiris watching and then walking away. And you're like, what's going on here, right? Um, Which leads to the big twist going right into the season of the Lost is Osiris is not Osiris. He's... It's actually a shape-shifting version of Savathun, who is going behind mm-hmm. enemy lines, and she kind of comes out. Which, the part to me, and I've talked about this before with you, uh, is like, how long was she in there for? Like, isn't it kind of nuts that she was, like, potentially openly banging Saint-14 <laughs> the entire time? Like, being like, oh, he think like... Like I'm, I'm Osiris, so I have to, like, keep banging this dude. And, like, it's just like, she's the fucking witch queen. 
she's a hive god and she's in like osiris's body like in bed with saint 14 like to me i was like that's the long game man she's really putting it in she must be really good then and then yeah (laughs) yeah exactly and the whole thing is you know you kill so you find out that uh you know she's being possessed by zivu arath who is the third the third sibling um where it's you know it was oryx Savathun and Zivu Arath and and um the whole thing is always Zivu Arath is I'm a she's a parasite inside me and and that's kind of the whole point of what we're at with Season of the Lost where you know we do I love the Ascendant Realms I think that was one of the best things they've done in terms of uh, storyline like you and me had so much fun solving all those hidden mysteries and shit in there man like that was one of my favorite things and doing them so early too like it was that was so crazy we were doing things that we weren't even supposed to be doing for probably another week or two. Yeah, because we were finding Sorry, ways around. Like yeah, weeks. we were finding ways around it. We were like getting our mobility up to a hundred or like whatever. Like we were, it was so much fun. Yeah, throwing our stompies on. Just yeah, throwing <laughs> stompies on hundred mobility just so we could like break the barrier and like get through, even though we weren't supposed to. Like, and you know, um, it ends with us reuniting the lost Tekians with. Um, Marsov, who comes out of Mar- Marsov, which is interesting. I know we've talked about throne worlds a lot off of this podcast, yeah. but Marsov has her own throne world, which is kind of confusing, right? Well, anyone can have their own throne world. It just means they've they've killed enough to kind of earn it. Like they've they've uh, they've killed like planets and like uh, all, all sorts of things. At that point, that's kind of how you carve yourself off a piece of the in the ascendant realm. So right? I am I am going to ask you a question you might not have the answer to. But sure. judging by the the books you've read, so I know we haven't really touched on this directly, but Adam has read some of the grimoires that Destiny's put through, so he has a little bit more of the uh, back-end knowledge than I do. So historically, though, is it safe to say that the majority of throne worlds are hive? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So, so then I'm just thinking here. So I'm thinking through all of Destiny. The only non-Hive people that I have thought, I think that have had throne rooms is number one, which we just talked about, Marasov. But the other one, which is a really weird one, and I don't know if you remember this, during the Forsaken campaign, one of the, um, you know, like hunts that you do i forget which one it is but the one that was really interested in hive magic he created his own throne room and you actually have to go in there and kill him and that's a big conversation that they have is people are just like well i didn't think fallen were able to have their own throne room well because the whole idea is that it's in the ascendant realm Mm -hmm. so that's the challenge was like, okay, well, has the fallen found out how to get into the ascendant realm really to be able to fight? Like, right. That was the confusing part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, that makes, again, it makes complete sense. I just like, so it just, that's one of the big ones is just the fact that there's just literally the single, like the only fallen to have ever thrown room because that fallen was in love with, um, one of the, um, hive queens because remember you have to go and kill her at one point and that's the one that splits in two a brood mother a brood mother and i think the brood mother helped this uh i forget his name the fallen guy whatever his name is 
open up his own throne room because he was in love with this hive and then you end up killing them both because you're a fucking savage but like it's super interesting to me that those are the only two characters i know out of the hive who have had their own throne room throughout destiny unless you've read anything otherwise so far yeah, like, I, I haven't read anything else otherwise at this point as far as, like, that throne rooms. Like, I know back in the, like, the first time we had encountered a throne room would have been in Leviathan, right? Like, so we've been to throne rooms before, right? He didn't have his own... Did did Kallus have his own throne room? Yeah, it was in the Leviathan. That was in a throne room. That was the that was the Kallus boss... Uh, that's where he did the Kallus boss fight, was in his throne room. But I didn't think you don't have to go through the ascendant plane to get there. That's on his ship. But so that so the, so it's just you had to have gone through in order to carve it out. So that's where that kind of comes from, right? Oh. So he had to. Callus would have had to have gone through the ascendant realm in order to have done that, though. Well, Callus makes sense, and that's actually what I was going to say. Is I mean, we find out in the Glycon mission that Callus is missing. Right, uh, he was last seen on the Glycon, and that's why Keitel's so interested in your uh, trips to the Glycon, um, is mm-hmm. to find out what happened to her father, Callus. So I think he might have found his own way back into his like ascendant throne room. Right. Yeah, and that could be the case because, like, I know Savathun. That's where, because obviously, like the the hives all focused on the cult of the worm, right? Mm. So, like, that's, that's how they kind of got their power and they became as powerful as they are. But in order for them to feed their worm, they needed to continue getting powerful. And then that's how they started cutting their own throne rooms out, mm-hmm. right? Like, so that because they had to continue to, to, to kill these other species and things like that in order for the, and envelop these worlds in order for them to be able to have enough to satisfy their worm. And by doing so, that allowed them to be able to kind of carve out their own throne room. So, let so me... that's kind of... So let me ask you this. This is just, again, uh, uh, a, a lore question. I don't want to spend much more time on this because we are. I know we're reaching the hour mark. We have a bunch more I want to talk about. But So would you say, do you remember killing that giant worm god, Zul, back in the day on Mars? Yeah. Would you yep. say technically that that the worm gods are stronger, for example, than Oryx ever was or Savathun ever was? Like, are the worm gods like the fucking beings in the universe other than the darkness let's keep the darkness out of this but like in terms of like if you were to put like a power level to zol the worm god or oryx or savathun like where would you go so the 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 worm gods are inside of the deep right but but zol came out right yeah zol came out but just like the worm gods in general are actually out of like out of the deep so that's where Savathun goes in, like figures out a way to get into the deep, mm-hmm. becomes powerful enough that he can go in there so he can actually confront them. How many worm gods so that's are what there? He wants to Is there do. a number? Do you know? Oh, I, Sorry, I don't I, even know. I, I just, it I, never I, mentions the I'm worm just on. asking. I need to buy these. I'm buying these fucking books now. Like, this conversation is getting me so jazzed up. So, again, I know we're getting cut on time. <laughs> One last thing I want to talk about. So, we're basically set up. We have the exorcism ready to happen for Savathun, which I think is going to happen either next week or the following week. Like, it'll happen, or it could happen first yeah. week of um, Witch Queen. I don't know. My point is, I just want to jump in and talk. The last sort of thing to go through right now is... What are you 30th anniversary stuff? What are you what are you thinking about about that? So obviously Destiny had a severe 
you know, uh, drawback in terms of work from home and COVID, where historically they release their expansions in September, October. First one, Beyond Light, got delayed to November due to COVID, and this one is now being pushed until February 22nd. So they've given us a six-month season. One of the things that they did to kind of make that six-month season a little better is introduce a 30th anniversary bundle, which included a new ritual activity with everybody's favorite star horse and the pathetic Xur, um, and a new dungeon. So I, that's all that they really introduced, right? Call, right, right, sorry, Adam, right? Like, is there... Is there anything else that you can think of that, or is it just pretty much those two things, right? Yeah, like it was kind of cool how they 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 put in some homage to Halo, which was kind of neat mm-hmm. with like even the like the Forerunner like weapon and stuff like that. Like there was some cool stuff that they put like they played in the in the thirtieth anniversary, but obviously it was just a reason to be able to re-release Galahorn. <laughs> yeah, and and you know keep keep the community a little more engaged versus risking user drop off. Right. Because I think that it's, yeah. if they increase that, Oh, these people stay, they spend more money because I'll tell you what, that wasn't cheap for the 30th anniversary. Like, let's be honest. Um, and then kind of going in, hopefully keeping these people around because I think it'd be tougher to get that user base back if they have a four month break versus a one month break. Um, I hate it. I'm sorry. I hated the dares of eternity. Um, I hated the grind. <laughs> I probably I probably could have done about seven of them before I was like, okay, this was fun. I'm over it now. Meanwhile, then to get that stupid catalyst, I had to do sixty nine. Um, criminal. Nice. I mean, yours. Yeah, yeah. I know that's what somebody said. <laughs> somebody's like, nice that that's the number that it takes. Um, what do you like? What do you, what do you think? Like, what what is your thought on this? Because you're still grinding dares out. Like, I just sat down one weekend, like the no life loser that I am, and I said, fuck it, Luke. Just grind this until your eyes bleed and finish it and never fucking do a dare again. Um, so that's it's, what I did. But, like, you're still kind of working on the grind. Like, is it better drawing it out? Like, are you close to rank 16? So sort of just walk me through your dares experience. Yeah, so literally just, like, I don't know, 15 minutes before we even started the podcast, I finished I finished my another dare there, and that just allowed me to ding to, six, uh, sorry, to level 13. So I have three more levels to go. Oh my god! I, it's honestly one of those just mind-numbing things. Like you remember back in the day, like where you, or whenever you need to like run some bounties, especially at the the, the launch of a new like expansion, mm-hmm. that it's just like playlist after playlist. But you're just it's just mind-numbing. You're not even paying attention anymore, and you don't really care. Absolutely, that's basically where I'm at with dares. I don't care. Like I just basically want to get through this at this point. But that piece that you taught me today about how to get through. That is mind blowing. Like, why didn't I figure this out at the beginning? <laughs> Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it, it's it's a game changer, man. Honestly, like it's it's absolutely great. But like, also at the same time, like those things, like each taking. So hear me out. Each dare we said, let's say, takes about an average of ten minutes, right? Let's just let's yeah. just pencil a ten minute in there, right? So that's eleven and a half hours of straight dares to hit 69 com- completions. Yeah. And keep in mind those 69 keep in mind those 69 completions are on a streak. Yeah. So and if you break no that streak, there's no way I'm streak, doing 69 in a row. Yeah, I know. That's why I was just like a buckling down for a weekend and just killing myself. Um one thing I do want to say uh is one one of probably my new favorite experiences in Destiny and I just want you to be I want you to feel really heartwarmed about this, Adam, is um, you and I 
the Grasp of Aravis dungeon came out. Um, and on day one, you and I went in there together and we figured out and we two-manned the entire dungeon. I just want you to know something. Like, this is going to sound really lame, but, like, that's probably one of my favorite Destiny memories was actually the two of us going in there one day, spending a couple hours learning the mechanics, figuring shit out. We didn't touch a guide once. I don't think there were guides. No. And and just going in there, just being like that, and they made it fun. I love that dungeon. I really do like that dungeon. Um, just them making it fun, making it like an actual experience was incredible. Like I was, I was smitten by it because you know I couldn't imagine honestly and not not nothing bad about you and me but if prophecy came out and you and I tried to do that together I think we'd be fucked right like two manning prophecy we were even having trouble beginning of last season trying to do that hundred percent yeah it would have been like that so like that's kind of the cool thing that we haven't even really talked about as far as like with seasonal loss that brought crossplay so yes. that allowed us to even play in the first place beforehand we were just sharing our memories of like oh, this is so much fun. This is what I did yesterday, but we couldn't play together because for your PS5 and I'm PC. Exactly. And and bringing that in was absolutely incredible. Um, I I just, for, for anybody that cares, I always like plugging this in. Um, I just solo flawless grasp. Um, and I mean, like it was, that was probably my favorite dungeon. Uh, like pit was fun, but I think grasp all around is probably one of the best things Destiny's put out uh, dungeon wise, period. I didn't like prophecy just in general. Like uh, it was, I don't know, visually it wasn't really for me. And I think that there was no real follow-up sort of in terms of like what we're expecting here. It was like, oh, we're going to reach into the dark to find the answer to the darkness versus the light reach into the nine. And then it's just like, you go to the nine, but nothing really happens. And then it's like, we didn't get an answer. And then the drifter's like, yeah, we got an answer. You just can't see it, sister. And it's like, what are you fucking talking about? So like grass was just fun. Like grass was just like fun um so you know there's obviously a ton of really exciting stuff coming up i think going in to witch queen and i'm literally you hear that i'm knocking on wood right now um (laughs) destiny's in the best place it's been in the seven years that destiny's been out story like the story is unbelievable what they put through in this last year is unbelievable being able to create a powerful storyline like irregardless of the dlc like the beyond light shit doesn't even fucking matter anymore for for nine months of the year it didn't matter and they brought together stories with the fall and the cabal and everything like that so i think this year destiny killed it i think destiny deserves all the praise this year i think that like i think and again we can kind of touch on this i think sony buying destiny right now or buying bungie right now great call because i think this year bungie alone has proven that they're not some washed up company that's been just hanging off of their halo money. They're actually putting the work into creating powerful stories and sort of rivaling the world of Warcraft approach where it's like, there's destiny Two, And we're just going to keep releasing expansions into this world. And we're going to keep releasing stories every week. We're going to bring the player base back weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever we want that to be and keep players engaged and keep active subscriptions going. I mean, not really subscriptions, but you know what I mean? Um, before we kind of like, I, I don't know if we, we can, we can do the rating on this, Adam. So I know we'll, we'll kind of do the ratings from scratch here. I know we had kind of talked about it before, but let's just do cold ratings kind of going into it. Um, before I do that though, any final words from you in terms of destiny, a year in review? 
No, I just I, I just want to add on to the fact that yeah, like Destiny Two has been yeah seven years old at this point, but I, I think they found a perfect balance between like we see all these games like Warzone and Hyperspace and like Fortnite and things like that that are very much like it's designed for you to buy skins and things like that, which you can mm-hmm. do in Destiny, of course, as well. But like that's really what they're focused on. Those games don't have a story attached to it. But Destiny's found that way of actually bridging that. Like we can be able to still have that commerce side of things where it's like, hey, buy your skins, enjoy that kind of thing. But it really doesn't affect your gameplay and allows them to still spend time on the story. Like there's such few games now that I find that are coming out in the last couple of years. You'll know this better than than probably anyone that like that have really been as in depth because that's not what sells anymore, right? It's because it's like, oh, well, get get the next Fortnite out. And But Destiny's really figure out a way to be able to say, hey, look, let's still focus in, like, the glores, the grimoires, and and really have, it, like, a really robust story. And that's what brings, like, those true Destiny players back. And I think they have something really special to tier, and they've done it really well with even, like, World of Warcraft. That's why they have that, that game's, like, what, almost 20 years old at this point now? Like, so, like, the studio is really well known for storytelling, and that's why I'm really excited that Sony has acquired them as well, because Sony Entertainment, obviously, they now have access to all of that IP, and they also have, like, they're also fantastic storytellers by itself. So I think they're going to create something even better, if, like, if you can even believe that, of, like, bringing that Sony Entertainment aspect into Bungie and allowing them to even be able to do even more with even a larger budget, right? Because they were, they're valued at $3.8 billion, and now I'm sure they're worth a hell of a lot more now that they're, now that they're going to be acquired under Sony be, just because of their under that umbrella. So I'm really excited with like what's coming out because of this acquisition and the future of where Bungie's going. So once they sold off that Halo franchise and it gave it basically back to Microsoft and went their own way, mm-hmm. I think they started really figuring out of what does our core audience want? So I think that's why I'm really the most excited. And I always go back to Destiny at this point now. I've played since Destiny 1. And what was that, 2007? So, like, 2005, just I think. 2005, I think. Yeah, so Destiny 1, 2005. Like, that's, like, Christ, that's crazy on how long that people like us will continue to go back because we're sucked into the story. Right? Like, Call of Duty players and things like that, they'll go back because it's new weapons and stuff like that. There's no story attached to that. It's just what everyone else buys, so you kind of have to buy it. The people who are part of that Destiny community continue to go back because of that story, and they're actually intrigued of, like, okay, well, what's the Guardians going to do next? Mm-hmm. Like, what, like, how are we going to fight off the Cabal? What is this? What's, the, what's going to happen with the Witch Queen? doesn't matter if you've played a ton of it or you've played very little of it, and you're just reintroducing back to Witch Queen. So I'm really excited to see what the numbers are going to look like for the audiences that are coming back because of Witch Queen now. And we're and you and I are in on it, my friend. <laughs> day one, baby. <laughs> we're f- we're going day one. We're going to be catching a amazing, um, you know, we're going to be doing an amazing podcast week after, I think, really getting into this. So jumping into the ratings, Adam, uh, I know I kind of, you've listened, you know our five kind of categories that we love talking about on this, uh, on this podcast. So we're going to go right in and jump into the characters. So again, I think the I think the build up of the characters this this and this is just sorry. I know this might be confusing. This might be a lot to think about, but um I'm just talking like if we're doing year in review, let's just kind of focus on the year. 
You know what I mean? Like, let's just kind of focus on what we saw character development and stuff this year, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Not overall, like, just what's so, happening in 2021. The one thing that I do want to say that I really liked was, um, you know, the character development for Saint-14, who I kind of didn't like as a character when he came in last year. Uh, but seeing him grow this year, and, and again, the, the, the powerful storytelling that we were talking about was incredible. Um, seeing, you know, the change between let's just kill all the fucking Cabal and all the uh, Fallen to actually joining forces. Uh, really, really cool. Seeing Mara Sov come back, incredible. I was a big fan of her and her Awoken uh, in Destiny 1 when we saw her get killed by the Dreadnought. Um, and I think they've really set the stage. However, one thing for me that really bothers me, man, there's, like... I get that there is in a way, and like you can fight me on this. There's really no character development for your guardian. Like they try to make it seem like there is, where it's like, oh, you're wielding the darkness. Be careful, and like you're not doing yeah. anything fucked up. Like the only season, or so the only expansion that I ever saw character development for your guardian wasn't Forsaken. You know when you end up killing aldrin's or you or petra you never find out but you end up killing aldrin sob in cold blood you go around murdering all of those fallen and then killing aldrin i loved it that was the only character development i've ever seen in in the entire destiny and it was lacking here so for that reason the side character is amazing your character rough so i'm going to give this a four for me just because everybody else around me is glowing up but i want my character to do something interesting or cool uh which we're, we lack kind of seeing right now yeah, like that. That's that, that's the reason why I also couldn't give it a five right away. Um, like it's like you you don't get to learn a lot about like what's been your guardian's path, right? And, and that's been consistent through the entire like through all of Destiny One and Destiny Two and all the seasons. Mm -hmm. Is you don't really get to learn much about like what is your path, where you come from, how do you exist? Like you don't really learn any of that kind of stuff. Like I, I would like it's kind of cool because like you like you said saint 14 which i didn't know a lot about before honestly like ikor obviously we talked a little bit about that but they went in even with like amanda holiday for example like that was kind of cool zavala we knew a little bit about we learned even more in depth with especially um season of the chosen right when he, like when he's really at the forefront of that of that season right with Keitel. for sure. so because they went that in depth but I'd, I'd love to also learn more about like well what's the deal with like the gunsmith, for example. Like I'm kind of like that, but I want to learn about like everyone that I interact with in well, the tower so, and learn so, about um, You might have been away for when the gunsmith happened. Um, okay. Uh, this is totally off topic, but he's suffering from severe dementia. It's really sad. Like it's like it's it's like they there a couple seasons ago. Like it's after Cade died, but like. And he just keeps forgetting Cade's dead. Like, it's super sad. It's, like, unbelievably sad. There's a whole exotic quest, actually, around the, the gunsmith and him, his dementia. Anyways, again, not talked about this season, so you're right. It's completely out of there. Like, he, he's played no role at all this season, so I completely get where you're coming from. Um, what, do you give, what do you think about characters? Yeah, I, I would give it, I'd give it a four as well. Huge. Um, I'll let you start here. What do you think about Destiny Background? What's new? What's fresh? Or not? See, like I, 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 I really like on how much they've developed the Destiny background. Like when you sit on the tower and you can actually look out now. And if you go back ten years plus ago and you look out in the exact same scene, it's so different. So I, I love how they're constantly evolving that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like I think mm-hmm. that's that, that that's really unique. They didn't have to because literally you're just sitting there watching it. Um, and then they they've they've really built out the rest of the tower as well. So you have more places that you can go. You have the helm. Like you have a lot more places that you can be able to actually exist that are like non-playable. We'll say it as for sure. But that are fully relevant and you can explore. So for that reason, I would give it. I'd give it a five. Like I think if they, I think they've done a fantastic job in keeping me engaged. Like it's it's extremely good graphics. Like everything is done really really well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little stricter than you. Um, sure. I hated Europa as a destination. I don't really like it very much. Um, I thought it was kind of fucking boring. I don't really I don't really understand how. The whole area south of Varix is just a little shithole that doesn't matter. Like, it's this huge, massive area, and all that's down there is just the stranger and, and her little, little fucking little shack. Like, yeah. there's a huge area down there that's not being used. Like, so on top of that, like, you know, the battlegrounds and everything, they just reused locations that they already had. Um, sure. The, you know, <laughs> Zer. The, the whole Zur and the thirty the thirtieth anniversary, like the first two dares I did, I was like, oh, this is neat. About thirty dares in, I was just like, I might kill myself if I see these fucking four walls again. Like, I might just, I might just do it. And then at the sixty nine, I was just like, oh my god, I hate this. So, lot to be desired there. The dungeon, however, all new, all amazing, beautiful. The dungeon was beautiful. I cannot say anything about that again. Destiny in general has a beautiful background. I know I'm talking a lot of shit on it. I'm not going to give it a low score because it is still an open world adventure, but I wish that throughout the year they built a little bit more. I mean, don't get me wrong. Glycon, one of the best. Harbinger for me was kind of shit to be completely honest with you. Like that didn't really fire me up, honestly. Like, no, but so I'm going to, I am going to give it probably just background for the year, a three and a half because it, it's not, it's not massive. It's not great for me. Um, okay. Music and Destiny again. This is something that I always pay. I always just kind of shut my eyes when I play a game, and I say, "Does music affect me in Destiny or in, in any game?" Um, the current game I'm playing right now. No spoilers, but the music's killing it for me. Adam, you know what game I'm talking about. But like, oh yeah, shockingly, it's killing it for me. Whereas the game itself, not so much. But we'll get into that another day. Um, the Destiny music in. I don't know why I think grass. I keep talking about grasp of Erebus and I, I love it. Like, clearly the music was incredible. The music when you're doing damage on the final boss was like, so I remember when you and I were doing it, I was like, what is this music? It's like inspiring me. Um, love it. Um, even in some of the destinations, it's gorgeous. I know they do a ton of like OST. It's all original soundtrack with like, you know, opera and like with like these huge bands and stuff. So but it's not, there's definitely parts where it's definitely missing out. However, I'm going to give music about a four because I think that honestly the music stands pretty goddamn strong in this game. See, this is going to be interesting because, like, I, I, I'm not a big fan of it. Like, I, there's nothing that really, like, like stays with me. Like, I, I can't, I couldn't think of a single song that I could hum from it. Well, right? Sab- like Sabbath is. <laughs> sure but no like, joke i'm joking I mean, that's not music that's not music i'm not I, that was a joke that was a joke that was a joke. just to clarify that that was a joke but like that like it just because it doesn't resonate with me i think that's the biggest challenge that i have like i like the original scores i expect from bungie's 
are like those Halo, like Marty O'Donnells, and like that mm-hmm. was an absolutely mm-hmm. stellar soundtrack. Like that was like you 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 could buy back in the day. You could buy CDs of that of the actual soundtrack. So so I would never pay money to buy the soundtrack for Destiny. So can I ask you? I have I have one thing I want to ask you. Sure. You you ran and maybe you don't remember this. You ran a full Deepstone crypt, right or no? Have you ever done like a yep, full? Yep. Okay. Don't you remember the Deepstone lullaby when you're out in space after you so, kill Atrax One? <laughs> that was beautiful to me. I mean, you and walk I, out and it's just this beautiful symphony lullaby sound, and you're like, oh my god. I mean, again, I know it's only one example, and you only do Deepstone what once a week, so I don't think that that's enough to change a score. But like, you know, I'm just kind of pointing numbers. I'm just pointing things out. Like, and I think I even said that to you right after I ran DSC. I was like, this is the most beautiful like raid I've ever done. The music is absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. for it. But I think because it's only one raid, and I do it once a week, even I think I've even only ran it a couple times at this point and now. Especially if you're um, doing, especially if you're doing just boss checkpoints, you'll never hear that song again, right? Like that's like if you're going into right, like when you're out in space. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, when you're running DSC and you're out in space, that's I could literally just stay out there. Like, that, that's like the golden eye music, right? Like I could just leave that as my background for the longest time. So. <laughs> Like they do a great job at that one, so I think. But it's at certain points, yeah. right? And I think that's the struggle I have. So like that's where I'd, I'd have to give it like a, a three, like at, at absolute most, because there are some great member. Like when it really is such an impact, because I don't want to be listening to that during like my strikes and things like that, or the sixty nine dares that I have to do, <laughs> for example. Um, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't resonate with me nearly as well, and I'd probably just mute it regardless. Mm-hmm. But like when I'm doing something for the first time, and I'm really excited about it, like DSC, for example, that's a, a perfect example. Um, I think that would res- that, that that's where it would kind of sit with me. But I'd ha- I couldn't give it more than a three at this point. So we're gonna go with a three. Is that what we're gonna land on? That's it. So I'll jump into you next here. You get to start off with the beautiful replayability section, which I mean it's. Like I think for us it has to be a five. At all. I mean, again, you can you can explain on here, but like, dude, like, there's something fucking drawing us back in. Clearly, I'm at I'm at one thousand two hundred and fifty hours. Like, I have the sickness. So like, you know, what what do you think replayability? Like, obviously, I have to go a five. Like, I I'm I'm back. Like, I, I'm literally counting down the time for Tuesday reset so I can be able to go and redo everything again. <laughs> so like, I can that, play, that is yeah. a sickness by itself. <laughs> so I'm going to give it, you know what, like, I have to give it a five just based on the hours. But the one thing I do want to say and sort of just kind of jump in here is, like, you just did all of Season of the Chosen in a week, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I think that if you do it like that, it's hell on fucking earth. 100%. <laughs> replayability is amazing if it's a weekly thing but if you're actually like oh i missed a whole season now i need to grind it all in the next week you're like i want to die like and it's the same with the dares between the 69 dares in a weekend it's like holy shit this is awful and and even when you're having to do the dawns like uh, like the season of the dawnings like yeah oh yeah that yeah. is just absolutely painful where you're like i don't have time to make to, to deliver cookies across like the, across the, the fucking here. yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. so i'm going into story we've talked the story up destiny 2 is in the best place it's ever fucking been ever ever five out of five i would give the story like a seven just based off of the emotions i've been feeling in this goddamn game lately see i'd 
I, I couldn't give him a five just because of season of the hunt. Like there, there's so many things that were frustrating about it that they kind of they yeah. flopped when it first started. Beyond Light didn't start off really strong. It was uh, like Stasis was so unbalanced going into PvP that it was just it was so dumb. The frustration that you get when you're in PvP being frozen is probably the thing that would put people's controllers or mice through their monitors. Like, but, they but just PvP arguably isn't the story. Right, absolutely. I, I'm just, but I'm just adding like all these type of mm. items inside of it. But um, as far as like, but even even that being said, though, like season of the hunt was such like everyone kind of forgets about that when you think about because it, it was it was basically a lure after, and then it went to a, a hammer at that point. Then you had the splicer, yeah, cube. you get the artifacts, so, like, and yeah, exactly. Like the actual the idea of like doing like the, the lure was just so pointless. Mm-hmm. That like it, it it didn't really add anything to the actual um, to the story whatsoever because like well, you did it but you only did the ones that had the recon data that were associated with it so like chosen was obviously one of the best one splicer was kind of mediocre and lost was obviously fantastic but that's just because I got to play with my best buddy Luke so like I'm gonna have to go I'll have to do a four point five How very that? fair very very fair I'll take that so going into our final scores here I'm giving this. Oh my god, buddy, we have the exact same score. Um, <laughs> even though there are some fundamental differences um, between music, background, and story, um, we both gave this an 8.6 out of 10. Um, which, for a 7-year-old game that's continuing to evolve, 5-year-old game that's continuing to evolve, technically, um, bravo, Destiny. You guys, are, you guys are killing it. If anybody from Bungie ever fucking listens to this, like, pat on the back. Like, you guys are doing God's work out there. We're both dialed in. We're both ready um, and excited for the next chapter. Anything else that you have, Adam, before I take us out? No, I'm I'm absolutely, like, thank you again for, for having me on here. Obviously, this has been, like, an hour and 15 minutes just yeah, blew by, and it was just yeah. chatting with a buddy. So, so it's, uh, it's like, it's our Tuesday, right? And that's so the, like, and thanks obviously, again. big news, super exciting, this podcast. Um, we have a absolute jam-packed schedule for february with some amazing games that are coming out like holy shit if you're a gamer this is christmas like this is this is the christmas of video games so we have some huge heavy hitting titles that we are trying to finish and get to you guys as early as possible so you can hear about these games so next week we're doing a twofer we're actually going to be releasing a podcast on pokemon legend of arceus which spoiler incredible and we are going to be talking all about life is strange remastered which this uh this isn't technically an indie game because i didn't realize this was square enix um adam you've played this before um i've never touched life is strange in my entire life so i'm going into this blind um so we're going to be releasing a two for that week and we have some really cool stuff like dying light and horizon forbidden west coming adam will be joining us at the end of february to talk all about witch queen we are both literally taking time off of our jobs to be able to just sit back crack some fucking beers order some pizza play online till our eyes bleed for two days so everything should be good to go we are so excited to be able to bring this stuff to you guys again adam thanks for being our first guest and you're going to be our second guest because you're coming back end of feb um anybody listening to the end thank you so much 
Follow us on Instagram at Gameaholic Podcast. We would love to know your thoughts on this year in Destiny. Was this the best year for Destiny? Is this a game that you could get into? I've heard tons of stuff about people that are new to the game having an overwhelming amount of stuff to do. Um, but again, we would love to hear from you guys. Make sure that you follow us, uh, subscribe, like, give us some ratings, uh, follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, so you never miss an episode. Other than that, thanks for tuning in. Colin will be back next week for a double feature, Pokemon Legends Arceus and Life is Strange Remastered. We will catch you guys then. Peace.